Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Common Room Talk. My name's Tony, and I'm your host. Now, I know that last week we ended abruptly in the chapter, and I said that this chapter is probably going to be broken up into two or three. If possible, I will try and keep it in two episodes, but we might have to break it up into three. There is still a lot that happens in this chapter. There's still a lot to get through. But before that, I do want to share a little bit of news, which is really exciting. Now, over on Pottermore, there is some really cool stuff that's coming out. One is a Fantastic Beasts, a natural history documentary that will be coming out. And apparently it's going to be featuring Stephen Fry. If you didn't know, he was the one who does the UK audiobooks of Harry Potter. And just to read what it says on here, it says, In 2022, Fantastic Beasts, a natural history dives into the world of magical creatures and why we all remain so fascinated with them to this day. Stephen Fry examines everything from the real-life creatures that inspired J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts to the curious animals you will find in the muggle world in this documentary, which will be coming to BBC One and iPlayer in the UK. And keep an eye out on wizardingworld.com for more information when it will air and when it will broadcast internationally. So it looks like at first they're planning on just sticking to BBC One and some sort of player here in the UK. I'm sure there'll be a way to try and watch it. I'm not sure at first, but it does look like they do have the intentions of broadcasting it internationally. So that is something to definitely look forward to. There's been more news about Hogwarts Legacy, the video game that is supposed to be coming out this year. I'm really excited about it. I really want to play this game. If you're unfamiliar with it, it is supposed to be a next-gen console game that is an open-world Harry Potter that takes place in the late 1800s in in and around the wizarding world. And the description that it has here, which I think does a really good job of summing some of it up, says from learning powerful spells to brewing potions to honing combat skills and taming magical beasts, this game will allow players to experience the magical world as a student at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry like never before as they determine the fate of the entire wizarding world. So I think it's really cool. I'm guessing they probably put it into the 1800s so you don't have to worry about technology and dealing in the modern world as a student and whatever that's going to look like. There's been different leaks that there are going to be different locations in this game inside of the Wizarding World. Not entirely sure where that's all going to be. I'm just super excited for it. An open world game where you get to possibly learn to do all of the different spells, flying on broomsticks or other creatures that you can fly on. All of these things that that make the wizarding world amazing are things that we're probably going to get to be part of. And I'm wondering how they're going to add in a storyline for this. So I'm really excited about it. Next is the Harry Potter. The exhibition will be arriving in Philadelphia. So the all new groundbreaking behind the scenes touring exhibition is set to arrive in Philadelphia on February the 18th, which is really cool. Fans can expect beautifully crafted environments that honor the iconic moments, characters, settings, and beasts seen in the films using best-in-class immersive design and technology to deliver an unforgettable, personalized experience. 
guests will have an opportunity to engage with innovative, awe-inspiring, and magical environments and installations in ways never before experienced in a touring exhibition. Visitors will be able to get up close and personal with everything from authentic props to original costumes. This is something that I am super excited for. I'm going to try and find a way to go do this. Boston isn't that far of a drive I'm sure we can make it happen. I really want to go see this. I can't imagine what lines for this place is going to be like at first, though. It's probably going to be insane. Now, apparently there's going to be a... This is really exciting. There's apparently going to be a 25th anniversary of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in the UK. And this is what it says about that. Who can believe that this year marks a quarter of a century since Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was first published here in the UK? There is no doubt that this momentous anniversary is a cause for celebration. To celebrate, Bloomsbury is releasing a special commemorative edition of the first book featuring the original cover artwork by Thomas Taylor. Since its release in 1997, his jacket illustration of Harry Potter standing on platform nine and three quarters has become one of the most recognizable book covers of the 20th century. Not only does this silver anniversary edition revive Thomas Taylor's iconic cover, it also contains a wealth of fantastic bonus content. Readers are invited to rediscover the original Hogwarts crest, enjoy magical drawings from the author's own archive, and read Thomas Taylor's charming story of how a young artist came to illustrate Harry Potter for the very first time. That is also super exciting. I cannot wait to get my hands on that book. I will definitely do whatever I can to get this book. I really want to see all of these things. And yes, it is mind-blowing that it has been 25 years since this book was first published in the UK. That is amazing. And when you stop to think about the things that this story has done for people in this world, not to say the least me starting this podcast because of it, but Every kid that has ever learned to read because of the Harry Potter series. I know I shared this story once, but I remember the Live the Magic sweepstakes that took place. I think it was with Coca-Cola and Scholastic. They, They did this thing back when the first movie came out called Live the Magic, and they were delivering books to people all over the world. And I remember the commercial was all of these owls swooping in, dropping books to people. And it was so cool to see that. And thinking back on now to what the Harry Potter stories have done is just so amazing. It's awe-inspiring. And I am so glad that in some way, shape, or form, in a very small way, I get to be a part of this now in creating this podcast and making a new way for people to go through this series that isn't just the book, isn't just the movie. It's a combination of talking about both of them and going over these talking points. I am super ecstatic about it. I'm super excited, and it makes me want to keep digging in more and more. It's been 25 years, and it is absolutely amazing. I really hope you guys get to share in that kind of enthusiasm for that because it has been so cool. So where we had left off last week was the confrontation of the Golden Trio, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, by Snape. And they had just told Professor McGonagall about the Sorcerer's Stone and somebody trying to steal it. She had dismissed them. They were getting ready to figure out a plan on how to protect it, and Snape walks up, interrupts them, and basically threatens Harry all over again. And he then turns away, and that leads us into where we are tonight. 
So once they had got out of earshot of Snape, they're out on these stone steps now. Harry turns to them and he starts immediately coming up with a plan to figure things out. He tells Hermione essentially that she needs to go tail Snape. She would be the one who is least suspicious around him. And if anything, if Snape finds out, they can she can just say that she has been waiting for Professor Flitwick or something along those lines. And so then Ron and Harry decide to go up to the third floor corridor and basically stand guard outside of the room. And unfortunately, Professor McGonagall shows up, to which she gives them a good telling off, saying that, I suppose you think you're harder to get past than a pack of enchantments. Enough of this nonsense. If I hear you've come anywhere near here again, I'll take another 50 points from Gryffindor. Yes, Weasley, from my own house. So Harry and Ron make their way back to the common room, and... They're talking about at least how Snape has a tail, but at that exact moment, the portrait hole swings open, not the hole, the portrait of the fat lady swings open, revealing the hole as the entrance. Hermione comes in and she says, I'm sorry, Snape came out and I've only just got away and I don't know where he went. So now Harry, who is probably not thinking rationally, stands up and says, that's it. I'm going to go get the stone before him tonight. Both Ron and Hermione protest, saying, and what about McGonagall and Snape? You're going to be expelled. Harry says, so what? Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Hint, hint, that's really actually kind of funny when you think about what happens in the last book without giving away too many spoilers. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor win the House Cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone, well... I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have done anyways, because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through that trap door tonight, and nothing you two say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? And then he just glares at them after that. Then, quietly, in a small voice, Hermione agrees with him and says, You're right. Harry continues on and says, I'll use the invisibility cloak. It's just lucky that I got it back. And then Ron says, but will it cover all three of us? Harry says, all all three of us. And he says, oh, come off. You didn't think that we would let you go alone. And then Hermione says, of course not. How do you think you would get the stone without us? I better go and look through my books. There might be something useful. But if we get caught, you two will be expelled too. And Hermione continues saying, not if I can help it. Flitwick told me in secret that I got 112% on his exam. They're not throwing me out after that. That is a very bold statement, and we already know that she is extremely intelligent, but I don't even see her brains getting her out of that. That's a whole lot of trouble to be in. So now they're waiting for dinner to end. They're waiting for everybody to go to bed says that none of the Gryffindors were really talking to Harry still, which didn't bother him this time. He was ready for everyone to leave him alone, and I think that's still pretty significant. They were still pretty upset about the, Harry losing all of those points still, and 
they weren't talking to him. Then that's got to be really hard being that young and being still in a new environment. And at one point, everybody really liking you and being so excited about you being there to now could care less to even talk to you. Hermione's rummaging through her books, reading things, and they're just waiting for everyone. And finally, the the room emptied out of people as they drifted off to bed. Ron then mutters, better get this cloak on. And as he was saying that Lee Jordan was finally the last one to leave, he was stretching and yawning, ready to go to bed. Harry then runs upstairs to the dark dormitory, and he pulls the cloak out of his chest. I'm guessing that's where it was. And... He pockets it along with the flute that Hagrid had made for him. He makes his way downstairs to the other two where they're getting ready to put the cloak on. And one of them starts saying, if Filt spots one of our feet wandering along, it's... And he's cut off by a voice. It says, what are you doing? And it was Neville. He had appeared from behind an armchair, clutching Trevor the Toad. Now there's a back and forth between them and Neville. Neville asks him, you're going out again. Hermione says, no, 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 we're not. Why don't you go back to bed? Neville says, you can't go out. You'll be caught again. Gryffindor will be in even more trouble. Harry says, you don't understand. This is important. But Neville was readying himself to do something desperate. I won't let you do it, he says. I'll, I'll fight you. And then Ron gets upset. He says, Neville, get away from the hole and don't be an idiot. Neville says, don't call me an idiot. I don't think you should be breaking any more rules. And you were the one who told me to stand up to people. Ron says, yes, but not us. Neville, you don't know what you're doing. And then he takes a step forward and Neville drops Trevor the Toad who leapt out of sight. I think he's raising his fist. He's getting ready to fight him. And he says, go on, try it, hit me. And yes, he was raising his fists. I'm ready. Harry turned to Hermione, do something. Hermione steps forward and she says, Neville, I'm really, really sorry about this. And then says, Petrificus Totalis, and points her wand at Neville, who freezes instantly. His arms snap to his side, his legs spring together, his whole body goes rigid, and he fell flat on his face, stiff as a board. So we see that Neville did take Ron's advice. He was ready to stand up for himself. He wasn't about to let Ron call him an idiot. And he was ready to do the right thing, to stop them from going out and breaking any rules. However, I think had he been aware of the situation, maybe he would have acted differently. It's hard to tell. One of the really cool character developments that we get in this entire story is Neville's. And we won't talk about it now because it is a really cool story. It's a really cool character arc. And it's something that I can't wait to talk about as it develops throughout the entire series. Now, something that's really interesting about this next part, because we don't see this in the movies when we think about somebody being petrified. Hermione runs over to Neville, and his jaws were jammed together so he couldn't speak. Only his eyes were moving, looking at them in horror. So we do know that while they are petrified under this spell specifically, they are fully aware of what's going on, and they can still see things. So it isn't like they are in the movies where we see Neville get petrified and he falls backward completely stiff and it appears as if he has basically become stone. He, he just can't move, can't do anything. You do see them walk by and say, I'm really, really sorry. Sorry, mate, it's for your own good, that kind of thing. But here we can see that he is able to move his eyes and he is conscious of what is happening. Harry whispers to Hermione, what have you done to him? Hermione says, it's 
the full body bind. Oh, Neville, I'm so sorry. We had to, Neville. No time to explain. That was Harry who said that. Ron says, you'll understand later, Neville. And they put the cloak around them, and they all take off. So now they're making their way through the castle. At one point, they come across Peeves, who says, we know you're there, even if I can't see you. Are you ghouly or ghosty or we student beastie? And he's floating there, squinting at them. He can't see them, but he does somehow know that they are there. And he continues by saying, should call Filch, I should, if something's a creepin' around unseen. And then Harry has an idea, and he says, Peeves, in a hoarse whisper, the Bloody Baron has his own reasons for being invisible. So Harry is impersonating the Bloody Baron, and Peeves immediately is shocked. He, he almost falls out of the air. He catches himself in time, and he hovers just a foot off of the stairs. And he says, sorry, your bloodiness, Mr. Baron, sir. My mistake, my mistake. I didn't see you. Of course, I didn't knew you're invisible. Forgive old Peevesy, his little joke, sir. And so Harry, still pretending to be the bloody Baron, tells him to go away. And he scoots off. Ron is just beside himself. He says, brilliant, Harry, good job. And so a few seconds later, they are standing outside the door on the third floor corridor where they notice that it is already ajar harry says well there you are snape's already got past fluffy and so they're looking through the door they're still underneath the cloak and harry turns to the other two and says if you want to go back i don't blame you and in fact you can take the cloak i won't need it now ron says don't be stupid hermione says no we're coming and harry pushed the door open as the door creaked open slowly they are met with rumbling growls. All three of the dogs' noses were sniffing madly in the direction, even though they couldn't see them. Now, on the left-hand side of the pages, there is a huge portrait that takes up the entire left page of three huge, very adorable, mind you, but three huge dog noses and they are all squished together one has a very grumpy look on his one eye that you can see and it looks like all three heads are lumped together laying on top of their two paws you can see that they're actually laying there the dog on top has a semi-curious semi-concerned look of like what is going on and then the third one on the far right of the picture is kind of just hanging out his tongue is hanging out to the side and it's just like hey what's going on guys uh, you can see there's almost three personalities which is a very common theme among even the myth that this dog is created after Severus was known to have three different personalities with its heads. So they're looking at this dog and they look down at its feet. Hermione says, what is that at its feet? Ron says, it looks like a harp. Snape must have left it here. And Harry then says, it must wake up the moment you stop playing. Well, here goes. So he then pulls out Hagrid's flute. This is why he pocketed it earlier and starts playing a note. It wasn't really a tune, but it was just the note that he started playing. And immediately the dog's eyes started drooping as it heard the music. And slowly the dog's growls started ceasing. It tottered on its paws and fell to its knees. Then it slumped to the ground and fell fast asleep. Ron says keep playing as they slipped out of the invisibility cloak and crept towards the trap door. Now they're trying to now get into the trap door itself and they're trying to decide who's going to go first. And 
Ron asked Hermione, do you want to go first? She says, no, I don't. All right, Ron grits his teeth. Harry points at himself, indicating no. I will go first. Don't worry about it. He hands the flute to Hermione, and in that second that he stops playing and hands it to Hermione, the dog starts waking back up until she starts playing again, and then it actually starts again. Now, in the movies, this scene is different. They walk in. Harry doesn't have the flute. You can see the harp is still playing, and all of them crouch around the trap door, and out of nowhere, the harp stops playing, and you get this big glob of drool that hits Ron's shoulders, and he grabs it and starts freaking out. He's grossed out, and that's when they look up, and the dogs start barking, start nipping at them. Hermione jumps in first, and the other two, and they fall down this shaft. Well, here in the book, you see that they're were talking while one of them was playing with the flute and so harry hands the flute over like i said hermione and she starts playing harry climbs over to the trap door and it doesn't look like there was any sign of a bottom so he lowers himself through the hole until he was hanging there by his fingertips he looks up at ron and says if anything happens to me don't follow send an owl immediately to dumbledore and let him know what is going on Ron says, right. Harry says, see you in a minute, I hope. And then he lets go. And so he's falling. There's cold, damp air that's rusting past him. And he goes down, down, and then flump. With a funny, muffled sort of thump, he lands on something soft. And so he sits up, and he feels around. His eyes not used to the gloom. It felt as though he was sitting on some sort of plant. Now, again, different from the movies, Harry had just went down on his own, where in the movies you see all three of them jump down, one right after the other. So he looks back up at the trapdoor, which is now the size of a postage stamp because of how far he fell, and he yells up, it's okay. So Ron drops in next to him, followed by Hermione. So they all fell individually. When Ron fell, he said, what is this stuff? Harry says, don't know, some sort of plant thing. And that's when Hermione drops in, says, we must be miles under the school. Ron says, lucky this plant thing's here, really. Hermione says, lucky? What do you mean? Look at both of you. And so she leaps up, and she's struggling towards them. And so we see that she's actually struggling because of the plant that they had landed on. It starts wrapping itself around her, and it has already wrapped itself around both Harry and Ron. It was wrapped around their legs. They were pretty much pinned to where they were and as Hermione was trying to struggle towards them it kept on tangling itself around her more and more to the point where she eventually is stopped and so she stops and says stop moving I know what this is it's devil's snare and then Ron being snarky and sarcastic says oh I'm so glad we know what it's called that's a great help And he is also just like wrestling with this stuff, trying to get it off of him. He's trying to keep it from curling around his neck. Hermione retorts with, shut up. I'm trying to remember how to kill it. And Harry says, well, hurry up and remember because I can't breathe. And he's wrestling with it and it's curled around his chest. So it's squeezing him just around his chest, probably making it really hard to take that that breath in. And Hermione starts working through this line that she's trying to remember. Devil's snare, devil's snare. What did Professor Sprout say? It likes dark and damp. And then Harry chokes out, so light a fire. And Hermione says, yes, but there's no wood. And Ron bellows, have you gone mad? Are you a witch or not? Which is one of the things we see him yell 
in the movie as well. While she has already made it to the ground, Harry is coming down next to her, and Ron is just losing his mind. He screams, are you a witch or not? And Hermione says, oh, right. And so she pulls out her wand, and she's waving it around, and she mutters something, and it sent a jet of bluebell flames that she had used on Snape's robes at the plant. And then we see immediately the effect is that the plant itself, the Devil's Snare, does not like the warmth. It does not like the light. And so it starts letting go of Ron and Harry and starts to retract and unravel itself and pull away from them. And now this is something that might not seem like a significant detail when you're looking at the book versus the movie. But in the movie, you see that Hermione kind of just relax and sit still and just lets it slowly move her through the plant until it releases her at the bottom of the plant. So the way in the movie that it seems as if it is handled is you have this really long corridor. So you have the trap door at the top. You have this really long, almost like a, imagine like a, a vertical hallway or a vertical tunnel. You're falling down this shaft. And right before you get to the bottom, you hit this layer of plant, this devil's snare. And it is there to probably both catch you and punish you for being there if you can't figure out how to get past it and in the movie they land on the devil's snare and Hermione Ron and Harry are losing their minds at first and then Hermione remembers to just relax and it moves her through and as she's right through the bottom of the devil's snare she drops just a little bit further to the ground and so it's almost as if you have like a plant ceiling and then you move into another room it's I don't know, it's, it's re a really bad picture, I know. But the reason I'm pointing this out is because here in the book, what you see is them fall through, well, they jump through the trap door, they fall onto the devil's snare, and you see the devil's snare kind of recede and pull away from them, kind of, I guess, exposing the floor underneath them and they didn't fall again you don't see Hermione doing the whole settling down and letting it move her around she frees all of them with magic and it doesn't give her a spell incantation that she says here in the book but in the movie she does have an incantation that she speaks Lumis Solem which is creating that blinding flash this imitation sunlight essentially that is really effective against the devil's snare. And obviously when you're looking at this, you can notice the very first part of it is Lumos, which we see later on in the series as a really effective light spell. That's not really a spoiler. It's a very basic spell that she used all the time later on. And it is really interesting to me that you see in the movies using the word Lumos before being used in the books. And it makes me wonder then if maybe I'm trying to remember at that point, how many books were out and if the word Lumos was actually already being used at that point, I'm not sure if you guys know, please email me commonroomtalk at gmail.com. But that would be really interesting if JK Rowling got the idea for like using Lumos. I know that she was already toying with the idea of using Latin words for spells and it would be really interesting to see if the idea for Lumos might have come from 
this part in the movie for later on in the books, but I am not sure if the movie had come out before the books started using the word Lumos. And I'm sure I could probably Google it, but I would also really enjoy the listener interaction. So if you do know when the books versus the movies came out and if the movie used the word Lumos before the books did, please email me, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and get your thoughts and opinions on these things. However, we do see that they end up making a way out of the devil's snare here. They use that spell in the movie Lumo Salem here in the book. There is not an incantation. And the big difference that I was trying to really point out was the fact that in the movies, they fall farther past the devil's snare, where here it looks like they're already at the ground and the devil's snare moves away from them, revealing the rest of the corridor that they're in because we see that Harry actually points in the direction that they need to go down this stone passageway so you don't see any transition from the devil's snare to getting on solid ground again it's already assumed that they were on the ground with the devil's snare around them probably just there to break their fall and obviously being one of the tests to get through to get to the stone so they're making their way through this passageway and they can hear the sound of water trickling down the stone walls and I'm guessing this probably seems more of like a cave than anything else because it says that Harry was reminded of Gringotts. And there are other times in this series where we see that they adventure underground. And without naming specific times or places or events, we do know that they are under Hogwarts in other very huge places. One of the things I want to point out is this, is that they were up on the third floor corridor and would have had to have dropped three floors to make it at least to the bottom floor then of Hogwarts itself and then keep falling to get this far underneath the school to where you are at least getting water runoff from the lake for there to be water trickling down the walls. So they're below lake level at this point but the thing that i'm getting at is this how many places can you hide underneath hogwarts it is insane obviously magic and all of that fun stuff there are ways of doing it there are ways around it we do know about obviously things like the undetectable extension charms those kind of things we see later on in the series without trying to give away too much there are ways of adding a lot of space to not so spacious places and i understand that but this is so crazy to me that there's so much underneath hogwarts and there are a lot of plot holes in and around this in the fact that there are also ghosts in hogwarts that can move through walls and get to places and yet people have a hard time knowing about these places and that's a whole conversation for probably the next book where we're going to talk about that and we'll talk about ghost plot holes and all of those fun things but for now it does seem as if they're working their way through an actual cave at this point and not anything that's structured which is also different than what we see in the movies so continuing on 
as they're making their way through this cave or corridor or whatever it is, they start hearing another sound, and Ron whispers, can you hear that? And Harry starts listening, and it, it was like this soft rustling and clinking noise that seemed to be coming from up ahead. And somebody asked, do you think it's a ghost? And somebody replies, I don't know, but it sounds like wings to me. And then somebody else says, there's light ahead. I can see something moving. And the reason I kept saying somebody, and I'm guessing it might have still been a back and forth between Harry and Ron, but there's no actual owner given to those specific statements that are being said. Now, on this side of the page, it takes up just the right half of the right page. You have this from top to bottom picture painted of... It looks like Harry falling through the trap door. And so in the very center in the top, you have this bright light, which is the area where the light from Hogwarts itself is coming through the trap door. And it's illuminating just a single strip of air from the trap door down to where the devil's snare is. And then everything gets significantly darker on both sides. Now at the very top of the light, it's narrow. And then you see it widen out and kind of be diluted by darkness as it reaches the bottom. And you see at the very bottom, there are tangles of it looks like vines and different parts of plants that are almost reaching up to grab Harry, but not actually around him or touching him just yet. But you see it at the bottom, and Harry is about halfway through, suspended in midair, his legs and feet actually pointing up towards the trapdoor and his head facing more towards the ground. He's falling not so much head first, but back first. And the way that he's falling, you can tell that he would land flat on his back with his legs up in the air. But thankfully, the devil snares there to catch him. The portrait itself is a very dark green color. It would probably very much remind you of maybe the Slytherin common room with all of the green stuff in there, which, um, spoiler alert, we see that later on in the series. It is all very green and murky, though. Maybe more like what you would expect to see inside of a Hogwarts greenhouse more so than underneath the school itself. It's a really cool picture. I know I haven't said it in a while, but we are using the illustrated versions of the book illustrated by Jim Kay, who is absolutely brilliant in painting. He has so many beautiful pieces of artwork in just this first book, and we're going to be using these hopefully throughout the entire podcast life. We're going to be using the illustrated version. So if you guys ever want to see the pictures that I'm doing my best to verbally describe to you, go get these books and look at them because they are absolutely gorgeous to look at. Now, Harry, Ron, and Hermione reach the end of the passage, whether it was a cave passage or an actually constructed passage, we don't know, but they do come to a brilliantly lit chamber and it has this huge ceiling that is arcing way up above them and as they're looking up they can see what looks like small jewel bright birds that were fluttering and tumbling all around the room and then on the opposite side of the chamber from where they were there was a huge heavy wooden door and so Ron asks do you think they'll attack us if we try to cross the room Harry says probably they don't look very vicious but I suppose if they all swoop down at once well, there's nothing for it. I'll run. So he takes a deep breath and he covers his face with his arms and he starts sprinting across the room. So as he's running, 
hands over his head, trying to protect his face, probably trying to protect the back of his neck. He expects to feel sharp beaks or claws tearing at him at any second. He's expecting them to swoop down and start attacking him, but nothing happens. He reaches the door completely untouched. He grabs the handle and he pulls it, but it was locked. And I know that that is a terrible place to stop in regards to the story. It is a terrible cliffhanger, and I am not good at finding the stopping points when I need to break the episodes up into a few different episodes. That didn't make sense. When I need to break the chapters up into a few different episodes. That sounds better. And I apologize, but that's where we're going to stop. We still have a few pages to get through, and there's definitely enough things that are going to happen in the next few pages to completely fill up an entire other episode. And I'm really excited about what's going to happen. But unfortunately, there's too much to keep going in this episode without making it over an hour long. And I know that there are a few people listening that would really enjoy it to be longer, but I can't have it going too long because there are some people who also don't enjoy it being too long because they'll listen while they're driving in their car and they don't want to split the episodes up themselves as they're listening. And so I am also one of those people that I don't enjoy longer podcast episodes personally. I like them being between 45 minutes to an hour. And Common Room Talk episodes usually sit between 40 and 50 minutes long. And I really want to keep that consistency. I know that it is disappointing to some people, and I am so sorry. Maybe as we move into another book or when we move into the longer books of the series, we will have to make longer episodes because there are just so much details packed into those chapters and I slowed down when I was talking there because for some reason that didn't sound right in my head and I'm also trying to be much more candid as I'm going through my episodes and not going back and editing out the areas in which I don't know how to talk anymore for some reason but yeah we're gonna try and keep them between 40 and 50 minutes themselves and so I know it's not exciting to everyone but it will probably get longer when we get into the longer books with the longer chapters that have a lot more things packed into those chapters. Now, something completely un-Harry Potter related, which I know I said that I wouldn't do a whole lot of this, but it is something that I want to talk about because it was an absolutely amazing movie. And I know my wife just listened to that part and rolled her eyes because she knows exactly what I'm about to talk about. But this past week, we watched a movie called Ron's Gone Wrong on Disney+. Plus. And it is one of my absolute favorite movies now. It is so amazing and adorable. And if you have kids or you enjoy watching kids' movies, I highly recommend watching this movie. Be ready to cry. Uh, Full transparency, it made me ugly cry. And it's not even a sad movie. It is a really wonderful, just beautifully created movie about friendship. And it is... That's the best way I can describe it without ruining any of it. I don't want to tell you guys about it other than that. Just go watch it. You're really going to enjoy it. And I I can't talk about it enough. I have not stopped talking about it at all this week. Even at work, my coworkers say you're obsessed with it with Ron, who is one of the main characters in the movie, which is a funny little tie to Ron being one of the main characters here in Harry Potter. But one of the main characters is Ron, and he is by far 
probably one of my favorite characters created in any story. I've been quoting him all week, and there's reasons behind it, which I won't get into here because it is super sappy and has to do with being friends with my wife and doing a better job at it, and it's a very long story. Won't get into it, but I cannot recommend this movie enough. I can't stop talking about it. Anyone who has listened to me this past week has probably been driven crazy by the fact that I keep talking about Ron's Gone Wrong. But I promise you it is worth it. It is such a funny, cute, adorable, amazing movie. It is something that is really good to watch, I think, with your kids. It sends a really good message about friendship and even technology and not getting super, I think, wrapped up in what technology itself is and what we see it in the world today, the way that cell phones and stuff are being used. And I'm already talking way too much about it. Go watch the movie. It is absolutely amazing. I honestly cannot stop talking about it ron's gone wrong you can find it on disney plus no that is not an advertisement i was not paid to push that out that is my own personal recommendation i and it's this is something i know eventually we're going to get into people are going to ask about patreon and wanting to possibly donate to the podcast i am not doing this for any kind of monetary gain also on top of that in full transparency I'm also not entirely sure that the amount of info that I end up talking about in regard to the books themselves, as I do read some of the lines from it, I don't ever want it to be something that can be copyright infringement or anything like that. I'm not sure exactly how much I'm allowed to say or not say and then accept money for, and I don't want to accept money. I want to make that very clear. I don't want to accept money for this, but... I do know that there's a certain point in which you start sharing too much and you are then to start making money off of it, you can get into a lot of copyright trouble. I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. It's all just a giant headache for me. And I'm doing this because I enjoy it, not because I'm looking to make money from it whatsoever. And so I know that that's going to pop up eventually. And if I'm able to nip it in the butt now, great. If one day, maybe in the future, I get asked to do advertisements in my podcast through Audible or through anything else. That's a different story because I'm pretty sure they'll have a basis on the legalities and how to handle all. Well, I'm 100% sure that they do because they do it all the time. It's just not an avenue that I've explored thoroughly myself. I wouldn't mind doing something like that personally, but I don't want to take donations and ask people to, to give me money in that sense. So... With all of that being said, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are absolutely wonderful. If you guys want to interact with me, if you want to talk to me, if you want to say anything to me, email me, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. If you want your email read live on an episode, if you want to talk, if you want to have any kind of interaction back and forth via email that you want over an episode, please put it in that email and let me know. We can talk about it. If I have said anything that is incorrect, please correct me. I think that I'm humble enough to take it. Just do it gently, please. I am open to being corrected. Correct me and let me know if you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, that it being the show, just please let me know. Talk to me, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. Also, we are on Facebook, Common Room Talk, as well as Instagram, Common Room Talk. You see the reoccurring theme here is Common Room Talk. And so if you guys are enjoying the episodes, please like it, share it, talk about it with your friends, tell anyone who enjoys Harry Potter to give it a listen, tell somebody who doesn't enjoy Harry Potter to give it a listen. I would love to have people who don't enjoy Harry Potter talk to me on this and tell me why they don't like it. I think that would be a really interesting 
conversation point and not to the point where I want to argue with somebody and convince them that Harry Potter is a good movie. It's an opinion. I can't convince somebody to change their opinion. It's their opinion. It's what they think of what they have perceived of the series itself. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. But I would love to know why they don't like it. I would love to understand that and, and look at the differences in that perception. I think it would be a very interesting conversation. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for supporting me in any way that you do. Thank you for joining the social media, joining conversations, laughing at the dumb pictures that I put on Facebook. And if you guys ever want to contribute, please feel free. Put your own dumb pictures up there. It's a place for silly dumb pictures and for people to laugh at it and to not make fun of anyone whatsoever. So again, for the 437th time that I've said this this episode, thank you for listening. I really, really mean that. You guys are wonderful. My name's Tony. I'm your host. And this is Common Room Talk.